Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Ahmed and Summer here. This is Thursday, November 30th. The war in Gaza is still happening, and that's what Summer and I are going to be speaking about um, and more. Stay tuned. This is True Talk on WMNF. Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. And Samar is across from me in the studio to hear me. You just have to turn the dial on your oh, headphones okay. there. It's Did you figure it out? Yeah, it's been a while since. Yeah, I usually you're just doing your most. So you don't forget how to use how to use things in here in the studio. Samar, welcome. Uh, I guess back together here. Thanks. Yes. And Frank is handing home. me the webcam here, so that's what I'm busy doing. The latest. Is uh, ceasefires that uh, I guess been extended last it's, minute this morning for another day? Yeah, it's been holding for uh, a few days, and hopefully, inshallah, it will be a permanent uh, ceasefire. If you're wondering about the music, it's called "Ana Dami Palestini." My blood is Palestinian by Muhammad Asaf, who won the Arab Idol. I think he was the second person, and. Um, we're going to be joined soon by uh, Jason Shawa, Al Shawa, who is a Palestinian and who was born in uh, uh, Gaza and lived all his life in Gaza. And uh, he's going to tell us how he and his wife and two little daughters uh, survived the uh, war so far uh, in Gaza. Can you lower the music, Ahmed, a bit? Yeah. Course. And uh, again, uh, it's good to be home uh, and uh, to nice uh, cold weather. Uh, I can't claim that I brought it back uh, with me from the Arab world, but uh, alhamdulillah, we have good uh, weather. We have, um, anyways, very depressing uh, the news in general. <laughs> I'm trying to be uh, cheerful, but 
uh, not easy. The death toll is uh, climbing uh, every minute and every hour because so many Palestinians are under the rubble. And uh, unfortunately, uh, with the lack of infrastructure and with the lack of heavy equipments, it's becoming extremely uh, difficult uh, to extract these uh, people. And people know that they exist because of the unfortunate bad uh, smell that is coming. And people are very afraid that maybe new diseases will start to... That's that's, that's my feeling all along about this. It's becoming more and more clear that... You know, the Netanyahu government, this regime, is basically trying to ethnically cleanse the Palestinians off their land. This is not really about Hamas or going after them. Um, that is a pretext. Of course, they uh, probably want to weaken and get rid of Hamas. However, they're using it as a pretext to get rid of all the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. And that's not me saying that. That's their own uh, politicians that keep repeating it over and over and they keep seeing on their television somehow our politicians here in washington keep repeating this line imagine all of a sudden that these guys in uh, israel the politicians the netanyahu government now they have like almost 500 spokespeople in washington dc the members of congress and they have the white house and they have the national security council speaking their talking points uh and, and saying oh no they're just going after hamas well what about the destruction of the all all the infrastructure. Basically, every single hospital in Gaza has now been bombed, destroyed, evacuated, even when, you know, under the pretext that Hamas is hiding underneath. They went in to Al-Shifa Hospital where they said there's, that's the Hamas command center. There was no, they, you know, there was no evidence. There's no smoking gun. They showed a hole in the ground and said, oh, this is evidence of the Hamas tunnel, which, by the way, they admitted, the Israeli government admitted that they built a bunker or a basement under the hospital uh, when they were in charge, when they occupied Gaza years ago, they said, we know it's there because our engineers built it. And to people's surprise, oh, so this is not a Hamas tunnel. This is actually an Israeli tunnel that you know it's there. But they went there. There's no evidence of Hamas or any any type of command center. They showed some rifles on the, on the ground. They showed some uh, baby bottles. They showed some... Um, some paper on the wall, like a calendar, and they said, oh, look, this Monday, is a schedule. Tuesday, yeah, because it's in Arabic. People didn't understand, but when, yeah. when you zoomed in, it's like a calendar. Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Arabic. However, what are they doing? They're basically destroying all the infrastructure. What are you looking for? You can't. If you can't hear yourself, you just have to turn no. up the volume Our for your headphones. Our boss sent an email and said you need to raise the volume. Oh, okay. <laughs> Or speak closer to the mic. I am. I'm almost swallowing the mic. Oh, okay. So I'm going to turn mine down and you're... Gosh, I took yours. off uh, six weeks of being bossed by you. Where's the bossing? Yani, you make comments that are sometimes... Annoying. Like? Like my husband. <laughs> no, what, what comment did I make? Uh, anyways, yeah, Ahmed, uh, we uh, we have, uh, I guess, uh, Jason. Is he on? Uh, no, he I, is not on. Okay. Uh, when he does come on, of course, I'm going to let you know, but... Do you feel the same way that they're going after the infrastructure to make life like that Gaza is not is no longer habitable for people to be able to live or survive? What do you need for life to sustain life? You need bakeries, you need water, you need electricity, you need heating, you need uh, you hospitals, know, hospitals, schools, sewage, schools, bakeries. Cultural Every, centers. Well, cultural center, you don't need that for survival. You need that for civilization. Yeah, but you know, that's that's why I want Jason to be on the show because his great-grandfather 
built one of the most successful cultural centers in Gaza that helps uh, men and women and young people um, do art, music, painting, uh, whatever you can think of. It was a cultural center and totally uh, destroyed, unfortunately. So why would they kill the Rashad al-Shawa? It's called the cultural center. Like, why? Why? It's it's. They're uh, going to com- uh, blame it on say, oh, it's Hamas. Everything <laughs> is basically Hamas yeah. in, in Gaza and no one is safe. And they keep going after all these people um, to just destroy their lives. So we're going to be speaking to uh, Jason. What's his last name? Shawa. Jason Jason Shawa, who experienced all of this and moving around um, when we come back right after this short break. Welcome back to Truth Talk on WMNF 88.5. And now we're joined by uh, Jason Shawa. Shawa. Shawa, who is uh, now joining us from... Supposedly, outside of Gaza. Yeah, he uh, he and his family, uh, his lovely wife and two young girls uh, survived uh, the uh, horrendous ethnic cleansing that was going on uh, in Gaza. And uh, I'm very happy, Jason, uh, that you are safe and sound. Uh, good evening to you wherever you are now. Yeah, good evening, good evening from Cairo, from for Ka- now. Okay, for now. Uh, Jason, um, I was j- saying just before you joined that you, I think, were born in Gaza, lived all your life in Gaza. How was life in Gaza before October 7th? 
Yeah, uh, just to to clarify, I was born in Seattle uh, and moved to Gaza when I was three years in 1971, and I've been uh, ever since in Gaza. Uh, before October 7th, life uh, wasn't really uh, uh, very good. Um, daily life in Gaza has been difficult for uh for basically since I can remember, but uh, it's been much worse for the past 20 years or so since Israel uh, besieged uh, Gaza. We've uh, always had trouble with anything you can think of, with getting uh, fuel, uh, gas, medicines. Uh, Israel controls every single thing that enters uh, Gaza. Uh, and uh, this has been uh, a case way, way, way before uh, October 7th. Uh, we have uh, continuous power outages that last uh, seven uh, hours a day for, God knows, for the past 10 years or even more. Uh, we have uh, chronic uh, water shortages, uh, medicine, uh, medical supplies, you name it. Uh, basically, life uh, hasn't been that good at all. Before October 7th. So, um, if you were following the news here uh, in the US and globally, everybody seems to be covering the news as if um, life started October 7th. Uh, but I am sure that Gaza endured several wars and attacks. Were there like a period of peace before October 7? And I'm talking in terms of not the daily uh, living life, uh, but yes. in terms of yes. security. And well, well, Gaza has been uh, going uh, through Israeli assaults like every uh one or two years uh, for the past i don't know 20 years or so uh not to mention that you have uh, in between uh, assaults you have like mini assaults where they uh, bomb locations here and there police stations uh, uh you know uh, facilities that relate to water sewage treatment uh this has been going on uh, uh, non-stop for the past uh, since like 90, uh, 2008 and onwards, uh, we've never really had a, a day of peace. I can't say that. No, they, they've made our life a living hell, basically. Uh, we're just trapped there. You can't even go and uh, if you decide to leave Gaza, you can't really leave uh, at your will. I mean, they, they, they control the borders, uh, which also goes for the Egyptian side of the border. They have their say in that. So basically, we're 2.2 or 2.3 million people who are trapped in this massive uh, Israeli prison. So you don't have an airport, you don't have a port, you don't have highways that connects you to the West Bank and Jerusalem no, no. and other Palestinian areas? No, 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 no airport. The one airport that was built... Uh, uh, in the first years when the PA came was, of course, bombed. Uh, it's just uh, basically uh, in, in ruins. It's been, I think it was 2007, 2008, they bombed it. Uh, they bombed the power plant. Of course, we don't have access to the West Bank. Uh, 
uh, a very, very uh, few people actually have access and are able to go to the West Bank. Uh, but the vast majority of people uh, have no access. You can apply, of course, for a permit, which will almost certainly be uh, declined by the Israeli occupation authorities. Uh, the same goes for, for students who need to leave the country, to leave, to leave Gaza, to go and uh, join their universities abroad. Uh, uh, people who need uh, medical treatment abroad are also barred from leaving. It's 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 daily life for us. That's that's how it is for for everybody who lives in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, it, I know uh, from uh, our communication, uh, Jason, in the past few weeks and months, that most of your family does not actually live in Gaza. Um, I'm not sure if they live yes. in the U.S. and Canada or where, but. Why did you decide to stay? It's very difficult. And you're raising a young uh, family. I know you are uh, married actually to yes. the sister of uh, a young lady that I went to school with at the American University in Cairo. Yes. And you have very yes. young daughters. Why did you decide to stay in Gaza? Yes, my, my mother and two sisters and brother live in the States and Canada. I was the one who I, w- I, w- I was the only one who chose to stay here. Uh, they left for university and then decided to stay uh, abroad. I've always loved Gaza. I've loved life in Gaza. Uh, uh, my extended family is here. Lots of friends. Uh, I grew up here. Uh, it's it's my home. I mean, I, I I see no reason why I should leave my home. I just uh, love it, and I, I don't want to be pushed out of it. Uh, which which has happened sadly uh, uh, now, but uh, I'm hoping to go back with my wife and uh, two daughters, Zainab and Malak, who have been nagging uh, uh, since day one when we got here to Cairo that they want to go back home every day. It's a daily uh, thing with them. Uh, they How just want to go they? back home. How old are they, uh, uh, Malak, uh, Malak is six years old in first grade, and Zainab is nine years old in fourth grade. Of so, course, their school year was interrupted, and now they're uh, basically with us here in, in Cairo. So how did you and your wife uh, create normalcy for such young people living in such dire uh, situation before the war? Well, uh, we are we do our best to to uh, uh, create activities for them there are some uh, very creative people in gaza who have uh, little projects here and there uh, educational and cultural and whatnot and we try to enroll them in in, in, uh, in such activities uh, it's it's not really that easy to keep them shielded uh, from everything. I mean, when they were much younger, it was easier. Uh, now they keep asking questions, especially the the younger daughter, my younger daughter, Malak. She's very inquisitive. Uh, she wants to know why these Israelis, as she refers to them, Israelis, why do they bomb us? She she doesn't understand that that and. And it's very hard to explain at, at that age, you know, the whole dynamics and the history uh, of occupation since 1948 and onwards. So, but we do we do our best to 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 uh, you know give them a normal life uh, to the best best possible degree. 
uh, in Gaza, which which really isn't uh, easy. It's it's a tough uh, task. We're speaking to uh, Jason Shawa. 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 Sorry, <laughs> Jason Shawa. It's here. Yes. It's on the screen in English. Shawa. There's no shadda on the W here. Shawa. So yeah, this is Americanized Shawa. 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 Jason yes, Shawa, born in America, but you know, spent all his life in Gaza. Um, I imagine. Were you there before the uh, siege of 2007? Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. So. Uh, I mean, before that, and this is oftentimes, we hear this repeated by American politicians and in the media. Yes. Hey, Israel doesn't want Gaza, or as they call it, Gaza. They left. Yes. They packed up all the settlements. They took their whole military, left Gaza yes. to be prosperous. But Hamas and the people of Gaza decided to spend their money on building rockets and firing um, at uh, Israel instead of trying to build yes. up their life. What? What is the reality? What actually happened when they the pulled out? They is, were occupying. They were occupying it physically by having settlements there. What did they do yes. when they, quote unquote, pulled out of Gaza? Well, uh, after they pulled out of Gaza, quote unquote, uh, they uh, continued to control every single aspect of life in Gaza. Every, I mean, anything you can think of is controlled by Israel. The food that comes into into Gaza, the medicines, uh, the water supply, the electricity. Uh, Israel supplies, of course, Palestinians pay for it, but they supply a big portion of the drinking water via the water carrier system to Gaza, which they cut uh, just after October 7th, a few days after that. And they also cut the the electricity, which they supply us with, and of course we pay for it uh, to Gaza. Uh, and the power plant ran out of fuel just a few days into the assault on Gaza. So Gaza has been completely electricityless and waterless since then. Uh, uh, they 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 control. Uh, uh, exit from Gaza uh, for people or for uh, goods. If, if if you let's say you have some kind of business you want to export your goods, they control that and make it super difficult for you to get your uh, goods out or to import anything in. Uh, everything is controlled by the military, and they try and make uh, our daily life uh, as hellish as possible. That is a fact of life. I mean. Uh, we live with, as I said at the beginning, constant shortages of anything you can think of. A certain period of time, there was no uh, Kleenex, for example, toilet paper. Uh, they created something they call a dual-use list, which are, is a list that uh, has items on it they claim have dual use. One use for Kleenex, for example, is to blow your nose. The other use, they claim, it can be used somehow in manufacturing rockets, which is 100% bull, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And this list keeps changing uh, every now and then. They'd uh, remove Kleenex from it and put soft drinks on it, for example. It, it's it's ridiculous. They just do it to, to give us a hard time to make our lives as difficult as possible. Uh, so, I mean, uh, how you say they control, how were they able to control that remotely when they're not inside? For, yeah, for well, our listeners that are not familiar with the 
geography and, you know, how are they able yes. to implement this policy of controlling everyday life for all the people inside Gaza? Yeah, well, well, well as we said earlier, uh, Gaza does not have an airport anymore, uh, which was bombed. Uh, we don't have a seaport, so the only entry point into Gaza for goods or people is via land crossings, mm-hmm. uh, which one is for passengers, uh, areas at the northern tip of Gaza, and another one uh, for goods and merchandise, which is, which is east of Gaza City. They control both these uh, 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 land crossings uh, via military. Uh, the third is uh, is the Egyptian borders, which is also, I mean, there's some kind, there's some kind of understanding, I, I, I guess, uh, uh, between the authorities in Egypt and the Israeli authorities to uh, to, to govern what comes in, uh, who can leave, who can come back in. Uh, so basically, they, but mainly, I mean, goods are imported via the Israeli crossings, and they control these these crossing 100%. And between and between these crossings, they erected a huge wall and, uh, you know, what they call the um, iron fence between, yes. you know, the, all the land, be, you know, basically surrounding the entire Gaza Strip. That's why people are yes. calling it the largest, you know, concentration oh, camp or open-air exactly. prison. Exactly, exactly. So, so Palestinians are not really free, or the Palestinians living in Gaza are not free to leave, not at exit, all. or enter, on, on, you know, as not other people. All. Right. Not at all. I mean, if people were really free to leave, they would have left during this <laughs> assault on Gaza. I was lucky, fortunate enough to leave because, as I said, I was born in the States and have a U.S. Uh, passport, which... I mean, it got me and my wife and uh, two daughters out of here. But other than that, no, people are not free. Even during normal times, uh, this U.S. passport is basically uh, useless. Uh, it doesn't allow me to, to, to leave at will, uh, whether via Egypt or the, the Israeli crossing, especially the Israeli crossings, which, I mean, uh, 99.9% of Gazans do not have access uh, uh, to 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 cross into Israel to the West Bank or uh, through Israel to Jordan, uh, so we have to take the very long way via Egypt, which is very difficult, very expensive. Uh, uh, not to mention that there's always always a huge waiting list uh, because it's the only exit point. So you have thousands of people wanting to leave almost on a daily basis. So you get on a list. You have to wait sometimes for four weeks, six weeks, uh, two months, three months even at times to live. And the same goes for returning back into Gaza. So people uh, end up, it basically makes it almost impossible to leave or, or return. Exactly. Uh, Gaza is supposed to be part of Palestine or the Palestinian territories. Yes. There's no actual country called Palestine. Palestine does not exist, even though Israel does uh, however, Gaza Correct. and Palace and, and the West Bank, the other part of Palestine, Palestine, they're not connected uh, by land. No. How far apart no, are not. they as far as miles or kilometers? Excuse me. Uh, the closest point is uh, Al Zahriya, which is uh, uh, Hebron. Um, and uh, theoretically, if there were no borders or anything, it's like a. Uh, 
something like 50, let's say 60, 60 kilometers. So that would be, I don't know, uh, less than 50 miles. I think maybe 40 even. Like a 30, how long would it take to drive? 45 minute drive? Probably. Yeah, even even less. Even, even less. less. However, even less, but in yeah. order if, in order for a Palestinian, let's just you know for our area here, Gaza Strip yes. is like the size of something called Saint Petersburg, which is in the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay area. And if you want to go, for example, imagine that's isolated, and we're in Tampa, right? Because there's yeah. a there's a bridge between us, and you have to cross over to get to Tampa Bay. We're both part of the same country, supposedly. but in order yeah. supposedly the two state solution. Yeah. However. You can't make it. You're not allowed to go from St. Petersburg to Tampa, no, which not. is in your own country, because there exactly. is a huge wall between you and yes. uh, the, the West Bank part, the rest of your country. And the Israeli military <laughs> controls that in between. But in order for you to actually get there, it's easier for you to go south, almost like you got to go to Cuba or you know, yes, somewhere yes. else, and exactly. then make a big, huge circle, fly all the way to Jordan, and then enter uh, that, the rest of your country from another route. Uh, that actually happened just a few years ago. I met a cousin of mine. I was going to uh, Cairo, and I met him at the border crossing, uh, going to Egypt. So I asked him, uh, "What are you going? Why are you going to Egypt?" Because I knew he had no business there. There, mm-hmm. he said, "Well, I have a meeting in Ramallah." Ramallah. So, in Ramallah, and he's a U.S. citizen, by the way, and he couldn't uh, get permission to leave. West Bank. Uh, just uh, sorry, Jason. Just explain to other our listeners. Uh, Ramallah is in the West Bank. Yes, oh, which exactly. would normally take you how long to drive from Maybe Gaza? An hour, fifteen and minutes. So instead of yeah. driving an hour, fifteen minutes to somewhere, yes. another a meeting in your country. What did he have to yes. do? Yes, he had to leave Gaza via the southern borders with Egypt, Rafah. Uh, take a very long uh, trip, a long taxi, which is like eight hours to get to Cairo. Then he took a plane from Cairo to Amman, Jordan, landed there. The next day, traveled via taxi to the bridge. How long is uh, that? An hour. Uh, it's an hour, yeah. Okay. And then you, you're you in Jericho. If you're lucky in, enough to get in, of course, because sometimes they turn you back to Israelis. And from Jericho, he has to take a taxi, which is another like two hours uh, to get to Ramallah, the West Bank, or whichever city uh, you're going to. And in uh, that uh, crossing from Jordan to Palestine, to Palestine, a lot of times they have to wait for hours there, right? Or, or not to be oh, allowed. Yeah. Or not be allowed. Or so you're taking allowed, your. Yes. So he's yeah. doing all this, and he may actually just be turned away. Exactly. Who's controlling the border to enter into Palestine territory? Israel. Between Jordan Israel. and Palestine. Between Jordan, yeah, the, the Israeli military are in the middle. So, uh, I mean, uh, there is a Palestinian checkpoint, and of course, there is the Jordanian side. Uh, in the middle of both uh, is the Israeli military uh, it's just uh, terminal, abs- and they control it. It's absurd when people, you explain this to people that a 45 minute, one hour drive, you end up having to take two days to get there. And two days, and you spend a lot of money. And a lot of process. money. And then, in, and then, and then you maybe just be turned away yeah. at the whim so, of the officer that's ima- standing there. And, Imagine- and I have to point out that I mean, <laughs> he came. Uh, he spent like twenty-four hours in Ramallah and the West Bank, and then had to turn back and come to Gaza. He had to do the whole thing in reverse. Oh, uh, wow. Jericho, Amman, 
Cairo, Rafah, Gaza. So it's it's insane. And that's just every day, like just a regular occurrence. If you want to, you know, yes, attend a wedding a very regular or go to a business meeting. Or if you yes. are, for instance, I know uh, Jason from my friends from college days who are Christian and live in Gaza and what they go through uh, in order to go and pray uh, at during Christmas, Christmas yeah. uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And most of the time they're not allowed. And unfortunately, we have so many churches here that support this yeah. uh, entity, this Zionist apartheid yeah. regime, and they don't exactly. know that fellow Christians can't go and pray, let alone, of course, Muslims. Who want they can't, to and there, there, there is a misconception among so many people. They think uh, that Christian, uh, Palestinian Christians uh, are treated uh, better, which is 100% false. They're treated exactly like their Muslim uh, uh, fellow Palestinians. Uh, and you, you spoke about uh, going to Bethlehem, for example, on Christmas. Uh, not only do they, sometimes they reject the entire family, sometimes they play games with them. They'd issue the permit for the mother and one of the children, deny another child and the father. And they've done this with so many people, uh, friends of mine, they, 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 they play games with them. So the, fa- the family ends up canceling the whole trip. Uh, it, it's 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 insane, really. It's it's evil. <laughs> it's, it's what it it's is. It's so frustrating that this evil is existing and it's happening. It's been happening so long, but everybody just wants to focus on what happened on October seventh, which yes. was you know an attack on any civilian is horrendous. But what about the you know? Yes. Well, we don't want to do the what aboutism. Any attack yes, yes, is, yes, is wrong. Yeah. However. Where were you on October 6th and all the years before and what led up to that? Not again, I don't want our listeners to say, oh, well, you're justifying what happened on October well, it's 7th. Not, it's not justifying. I mean, uh, any it's killing explaining. Is, is, it's explaining. I mean, uh, people uh, tend to, uh, when they talk about these assaults that happened, they take it from that point. Well, uh, the Palestinian resistance fired a missile or attacked. They take it from that point and in reality, the, 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 what, what the Israelis experienced on October 7th, uh, Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank have been experiencing for the past 75 years, almost on a daily basis. Palestinians have been killed, uh, are killed actually on a daily basis. Their homes, especially in the West Bank and Jerusalem, are demolished almost on a daily basis. They even force you to pay the expense for demolishing your own home. Yeah, can, mean, you, can you elaborate uh, the, on that? Because I think our listeners will be shocked to learn uh, about this, uh, that, uh, this yeah, whole the, process. Uh, uh, Israeli, authorities, Israeli authorities refuse uh, uh, to issue building permits for uh, Jerusalemites, in, in particular from Jerusalem. Uh, Arab, of course, Jerusalemites we're talking uh, they make it virtually impossible. They make it, they make it uh, back-breakingly expensive to get a building permit, which to build, to build nobody their, can afford. To build on their, to build own, on land. their own land. It's not like yes, a new build, land. It's their no. own land no, that they've, they have. it's their own property, their uh, small uh, piece of land. Uh, uh, so many people, uh, despite their knowledge that maybe in the future their house will be demolished, but, I mean, they want to build and live just like anybody else in, in, in this land. So 
they go ahead and, and, and hope for the best. And then at some point, the Israeli army will issue a demolition order, uh, citing uh, not having a license as the reason. Uh, and uh, they ask you to, 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 to demolish your home. Uh, if you're unable to do it yourself or unable financially to do it yourself, they will have the army come and do the work for you and they'll send you the bill for the demolition. It's, it's insane. And this, this happens daily in time. Jerusalem, literally daily. Uh, and, and so, the, so, I mean, this, what, this what, suffering, the what, killing, the home demolition, the uh, restriction on movement, you name it, has been going on literally for the past 75 years. Uh, and this is why you have these outbursts uh, like the one that happened on October 7th. I mean, Gaza was literally a pressure cooker waiting to explode uh, with, a, with a siege that is almost 20 years uh, old now. Lack of food, water, fuel, electricity, uh, sewage issues because of lack of electricity and fuel, uh, uh, issues with hospitals because of lack of uh, medicines and uh, perishables and medical equipment and supplies, you name it. So at some point, Gaza was bound to explode, and it did. Uh, and, and, what, and, and, and this will continue to happen. I mean, yeah. as long as the occupation exists, this, this will continue to happen. I mean, it's, 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 it, it, it's happened anywhere that where there was an occupation. It will continue happening here till people get their rights. It's, it's plain and simple. And your rights are, Jason? What are you asking for? Uh, I want to be able to live peacefully and freely on my land. I want the land that was stolen from me to be given back to me. That's what I want. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. My co-host Ahmed and myself, Samar, are talking to Jason Shawa. He uh, was born in the U.S. but uh, moved to Gaza when he was three years old and lived uh, uh, all his life there. He and his wife uh, and two uh, little daughters, Zainab, nine years old, and Malak, six years old, survived the assault on Gaza. Please tell us, uh, Jason, uh, he's talking to us uh, from uh, Egypt. He managed to leave simply because he has an American passport and he just mentioned and alluded to the fact that it is not even easy with that. How... I mean, how did you survive you and your wife and daughters? I know you had to move from one place to the other. Yes. Can you tell us, Jason? Yes. I, I just want to mention a small point because you said about uh, that I was able to get out because of my U.S. passport. Uh, when I, I, I called the embassy at some point when I registered my name on this list, and the the phone system kept referring me from one place to other to the other till I got somebody from the uh, State Department and uh, he started asking questions and so I asked him uh, when do you think we'll be able to get out? He said that we're working on it. So uh, I said, uh, uh, do you have the names there? He says yes, I see your name. I told him I registered my wife, two children. He said, ah, oh, sorry, you will only be, get, be able to get out. Your wife and daughters will have to stay. Oh, my God. Uh, I said, why? He said, uh, they're not U.S. citizens, are they? I said, no. He said, uh, well, they can't leave. Oh, my God. So uh, I, I was totally shocked by that. And, and this statement was, uh, was uh, reiterated to uh, two other U.S. citizens living in Gaza, friends of mine. 
uh, of course, uh, in a, f- a few days or a couple of weeks after that, they revised this 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 uh, approach and 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 got out immediate family uh, with the U.S. citizen. But it, it was really, I mean, uh, I don't know, uh, upsetting to say the least to hear that from them. So anyway, uh, uh, a week after, uh, so we're talking about the 7th of October, uh, the 13th, it was exactly the 13th, after one week of of hell, bombardment all over the place, uh, uh, we were still in our house, which is uh, uh, directly on the seashore, uh, like 100 meters from the seashore. Uh, at that time, we had taken in 15 uh, people who had to flee their part of the city uh, and were looking for a place to stay. So they came over to our place. They, they're friends of ours. And uh, uh, we were getting by. I mean, we had little water, little food, but we were managing. Uh, we, we we had stocked, stocked up on the first day uh, this thing happened. Of course, we didn't calculate that we're going to be here for stop for a very long period. So, uh, you don't the, have a shelter, uh, do you? Do you have a shelter that you uh, can go to? N- n- not, not really. Nobody has shelters. There are no shelters in Gaza, and basically, they'd be useless. Uh, uh, we know the destructive power uh, the Israeli weapons have. No shelter, no matter how thick concrete walls are. They, they. I mean. They penetrate through floors and floors and floors of, of buildings. Uh, half a meter of concrete uh, won't really do anything. So, and many people prefer being uh, uh, on top of the ground just in case the building collapsed and they're trapped beneath the rubble, which which is the case now. For uh, thousands of people are still trapped beneath the rubble. We don't know dead or alive. Uh, people are finding people uh, dead bodies. Every day now in Gaza since this uh, temporary ceasefire stopped. On the 13th, uh, I woke up, it was uh, 2 a.m. My mobile phone was flashing. I saw it flashing. It was a cousin of mine and I picked up and he said, did you leave? Told him where? He said, did you leave Gaza? I said, no, why, why would I? He said, you didn't hear the news? No. So he told me that the Israeli uh, uh, Air Force dropped uh, leaflets on the city asking people to go south, to leave to the south of the the Wadi, the valley, which is uh, about seven or eight miles from uh, our house. So we we made a few calls uh, to try and verify it from friends of ours who work at international organizations like UN and World Food program and that and they they said yes the, the news appears to be true so uh, we had to gather as much stuff as we could uh, in a very short period of time we didn't know if they're going to start bombing in an hour or six hours so we had to work very quickly uh, my wife and I and our guests who were staying with us the 15 people so we gathered whatever we could food uh, blankets uh, medicines. Uh, uh, it's very hard to remember uh, what to take with you at, at, at when when this moment comes. I mean, we basically have an emergency bag because we know we forget. So we put in passports, uh, IDs, birth certificates, uh, that kind of stuff. So we grabbed that along with a few other things and headed south. Uh, my wife and I own a 
small property uh, in Zawaida, which is like a very small uh, summer uh, kind of retreat uh, uh, house. There are several of it in this area that are used. Uh, uh, people rent them out in the summer for half a day. They go and swim and have a good time and go back home. So we have one of those. It's very small and we got there like, I think it was 4 a.m. Uh, uh, along with the 15 people who, who, who came with us. Added to those were uh, six uh, next door neighbors. So we were now over 20. And by the end of the day of the 13th, we were 61 people uh, oh in that God. very, very small place. 61. Uh, 61, including 22 children, oh starting God. from the age of four months, eight months, two years, and up to like 13 and 14. Uh, how and did course, you manage uh, with food uh, and water? Because, I mean, how, how yeah, could you feed uh, all these people? The, the first two days were okay because everybody who came took stuff from their homes before they left, but nobody knew they are going to be staying there for one month plus. Uh, we, we left exactly uh, after 30 months in, in, in that place. Uh, so the first two days we managed, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden we were almost out of food. We started uh, looking for food in nearby stores. Uh, food was becoming extremely scarce. Uh, you could only you could only get uh, rice, for example, uh, maybe flour, uh, uh, lentils, uh, fava beans, uh, all dried stuff basically, and sometimes you know packages of uh, pasta, dry pasta. Uh, Zawaida is a is a farm community, so luckily there, there were some uh, vegetables. Where we could get some potatoes and cucumbers and uh, tomatoes. So basically, we 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 lived on uh, for 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 those thirty days we were there. It was sometimes plain rice, sometimes rice with you know just boiled potatoes with some tomato uh, sauce and salt on it. Uh, bread was extremely, extremely hard to co come by, and bread is extremely—it's the, the main staple mm -hmm. of, of 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 Palestinians. I mean, uh, it's cheap, and it you know uh, it, it fills the tummy. So, and that wasn't available. Uh, most of the bakeries in the entire Gaza Strip uh, uh, were bombed including the one right next to us, a kilometer from us, is in Sirat. A a town, uh, they bombed two bakeries. One of them, a, a major bakery that supplies the entire middle area. Uh, and suddenly, bread was hard to come by. People started resorting to trying to bake on, uh, a, you know, a sheet of metal, and they put two stones, two building blocks on the ground, on the soil, uh, some firewood, and try to bake. Uh, we tried. We weren't very successful first few days, uh, but eventually we managed. Uh, but still, it was it was a daily uh, 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 challenge to to supply basically food and drinking water, of course, uh, uh, for the sixty people. It was really tough. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, we'd both get in the car in the morning. Uh, 
Of course, every day or two, two or three days would change cars because oh, first we use my car, then it ran out of gas. Uh, you can't refuel because there isn't any gas. Uh, so then we used his card, car, and so on. Uh, it's like the show, like a, the, it's like end of times kind of, you know, these shows, is. like, uh, I forgot some of them, but it's just, you're just basically yeah. trying to survive. Every day it's a new challenge. Trying to survive. And you don't it know is. what's going to be thrown at you. It in is. the meantime, there's bombings happening. I'm just curious. There's bombings. When you were traveling yeah. in the middle of the night, you got there at four in the morning where the, the bomb, the airstrikes were continuing, right? <laughs> Uh, there were bombings in other areas, okay. uh, not on the route we were on, luckily. Of course, we did not know if there's going to be bombing or not, so we were terrified when we left. Because it was pitch pitch dark, and uh, and Israelis, I mean, I mean, from experience, we know they bomb cars, they bomb homes mm-hmm. without warning. So we, 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 we were four, four cars at the time. And even, uh, in, even in this time, some people that were making that, trip from the north to the south were bombed on you know yes. some of the major roads yes. they were killed some even were some sniped. ambulances some were sni- uh, sniped after but definitely there were yes. bombings that were happening and they're saying oh well you know there's a Hamas fighter in the car and it turns out to be a car full of women exactly exactly that did happen uh, both on the beach road the main beach road and the other uh, main road which is Salah al-Din a little bit to the to the East. Is the beach road called Al Rashid? Al Rashid, yes. Yeah, I'm looking at the map now, mm. and I see where Zuwaida is. It's uh, it's yes. kind of south central a bit. I want to yes. I want to ask you. I know uh, we have something like five uh, minutes or uh, seven minutes mm-hmm. to go, and I want to ask you, um, like again, uh, very quickly, how did you manage to keep all these children? safe and uh, mentally safe but also i want you to mention the something i just saw and i was very disturbed to see that uh, the rashad shawa cultural center cultural was center yeah totally wiped totally yes. wiped out why and what did it serve like what purpose was uh, rashad shawa center yeah, rashad shawa cultural center was the biggest uh, cultural center in Gaza and the West Bank. It was uh, a, a very, very nice and unique piece of architecture. It's it's uh, what they call fair-face concrete, uh, a beautiful, massive uh, building that, will, that was built in 1985 by Gaza's mayor at the time. Well, he was deposed, actually, at the time, Rashad Shawa. Uh, it has a big theater. It has a massive uh, library, well-stocked library, was, of course. Uh, it has a big printing shop uh, in the basement. Uh, but, but uh, And, of course, uh, lecture halls and that kind of stuff. It hosted all kinds of uh, social and uh, cultural activities over the years, many uh, bands, music bands, uh, uh, and performers came from all over the world uh, over the years to Gaza and performed in it. The place received uh, foreign dignitaries like Bill Clinton, uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, not to mention, of course, Yasser Arafat, and others that I can't really think. Jacques Chirac, I think. Uh, and 
everybody in Gaza was so was devastated. I mean, it is the landmark in Gaza. It's in the center of Rimal, which is the heart of of Gaza City, and it's part of everyday life. I mean, for people, it's even used as an address. Uh, when they get into a cab, uh, where to? Yeah, Rashad uh, They just say that, and they know where to go, and, and that is gone. And of course, lots of other uh, buildings, historic buildings in the older part of the city, are gone. The Grand Mosque, the Omari Mosque, uh, is said to be uh, severely damaged. It was damaged also in 1970 by the British and rebuilt, and again now. The church, of course, the St. Porphyrius Church, which was bombed at the beginning. Uh, several uh, Gazans, including lots of Christians, were killed in that, including friends of my wife and myself. Uh, the church itself is uh, 1,600 years old and almost intact. was, uh, I'm not sure what the state is now. I mean, so... so- so why, Jason, why, why do you think there is a deliberate attempt to destroy the infrastructure of Gaza, even mm-hmm. cultural and religious places? Definitely, definitely, definitely. That we, we can only see that it is deliberate. Why bomb the cultural center? Why bomb the Baptist hospital? Why bomb the... What, what's their the, goal? Uh, just destroying and erasing anything that relates to our history, our heritage. Uh, They're wiping uh, you off the map. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, they're wiping us and our history off the map. But I'm, I'm confident they will not succeed. I mean, uh, uh, Gazans are super resilient, believe me. And Jason, uh, why your daughters, especially uh, Malak, they want to go back to right. all this? Well, they they miss their the house uh, in particular. We took in two cats uh, just a couple of weeks before this uh, this assault on Gaza. They miss the cats. They have a fish tank. They have their room with their toys. They have their school uh, uh, friends. They have so many friends that they're missing. Some of them are staying at that uh, property of ours because when we left, we left uh, the. Uh, we're 61 minus uh, 5 we left so it's like 55 uh, they remain there including 5 or 6 of their best friends staying at. they want to see their friends even um, I, I, I tweeted this a few days ago uh, when we, we have uh, 15, sec- 15 seconds sure sure uh, Najla, my wife, bought the Malak a toy in Zawaida when we were in Zawaida, and she refused to open it. She said, I want to open it when we're back home in Gaza. The mm. same thing happened a few days here in Cairo. She said, No, I will open it. Inshallah, inshallah, you go back to Zawaida and back to Gaza. And I want to see inshallah. this home in Zawaida one time. You know, maybe you'll host us there. Stay safe I and, would love to. and good luck. That was uh, Jason Shawa live from Cairo where he just had left Gaza. Um, 